Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Wing Cup wins the title. About a minute there on the end of the, the cool-down lap just to reflect on on, on the achievements and uh, it's, a, it's an unbelievable feeling. But why is he so down? Once you achieve something, it's just... It's hard for me to uh, to back it up. Patrizzi fires up. Like this year, I've been uh, told how to drive and dictated how to drive, and and I'm sure you guys saw in Perth. I said, "No, bugger this! I'm going to do my own thing." And I led the race. You know, I was 17 seconds in front. While Garth and Courtney get the glory from the Sydney Telstra 500. All of us coming into the weekend, we're very keen to to, to win first up. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on the championship edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lap, you can hear the champion Jamie Wing Cup interview, which has kept him up all night. Sorry about yesterday. I was I was almost delirious when I was up here chatting away. Apparently, I mumbled on a bit, so sorry about that. Jamie Wing Cup has won his second V8 Supercar Championship by picking up fourth place in the first 250-kilometre race at the Sydney Telstra 500. He was emotionally drained at the completion of the race. You know, once you, mentally, if you... If you're all good and focused on the job, then uh, then the physical side of things you don't really worry about. Um, so when I knew Will was had a bit of trouble, I believe with with my teammate, um, mentally just absolutely drains you. You start feeling every uh, every muscle in your body to to get it through. But hey, I didn't want to didn't want to give it away. I wanted to go out strong and pushed hard to get on the podium. But uh, Saturday, it was Garth Tander who set up HRT for the team's championship with a pole position and convincing win in the first race on the home Bush Street circuit. Oh, look, we said yesterday that we knew that the, this would be a difficult race and that we knew that this was going to be tough on the cars and on the drivers and we knew that there was going to be mistakes made all the way through the 250 kilometres and that, that's how it played out, 100%. Mark Winterbottom finished second and the Sydney driver was extremely happy to be on the Sydney podium. You know, just, just kept running around the car was not quick but um, it's straight it's uh, it's got everything intact and every time someone speared off fantastic I was just waiting for Garth to go off and put the one finger up and drive over the line everyone else fell off so which um, the 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 number one Jason Bright got his first podium at Brightec in his last drive in the Stone Brothers Racing Prepared Falcon. Yeah, I am happy. Um, you know, we uh, we didn't qualify as well as what we should have today. We've had a quick car here all weekend, and um, you know, we qualified back in 13th and had a good start, and then sort of got bottled up at the first corner, and we were sort of nowhere. Sunday and the Olympic site was still rocking from the cold chisel concert the previous night and Lee Holsworth was rocking around the circuit with his second front row start of the weekend with a pole position over the roller coaster of emotions that was continuing for the young GRM driver. You know there's a fair bit of emotion attached to this weekend with um, my grandfather passed away a couple of days ago and um, 
you know, I really feel like he's pushing me along at the moment, um, which is awesome, and uh, you know, this one will be for him. The race did not work out well for Holsworth, but the Sydney siders in James Courtney, Mark Winterbottom and Michael Caruso managed to fill the podium just like they did as kids when they were racing karts. No, it's funny, we were just joking about it. Could, this could have been the Combined Districts Car Club, you know, club championship 1982. It's, uh, <laughs> we've all been racing against each other since we were seven and, and uh, Mark said his trophy was bigger then than what he got today. So. <laughs> Courtney praised his team for their hard work this season after he had a disastrous start in his first year with the Jim Beam team. We've had great car speed, the cars have been really good. And, um, you know, with this form we've got over the last half of the year, we're going to look to carry that into, into next year. We, we have the luxury of being able to have a little bit of a holiday because we don't have any new cars to build. And um, just pull ours down, give them a clean-up and uh, put them back together and send them to the Middle East. So it's going to be, you know, quite a good off-season for our guys. They've had a, you know, a really tough year. I've given them plenty of work over the year and uh, they deserve, deserve every bit of holiday they get. So, um, you know, we're really looking forward to, to getting some time off, really. I'm just going to sit at home in my undies and watch TV, I think. <laughs> Michael Caruso was thrilled to be back on the podium for Gary Rogers. You know, normally he says, oh, second's good, but first is better. You know, you know it was good. He, he came up to me and congratulated me. And, um, you know, the guys, it's, you know, it's really a great reward to finish off the year. We, um, we had a great year, I think. And, uh, you know, our sponsors, Valvoline and Cummins, you know, have been with us for such a long time. And now we're grabbing Fujitsu for next year. So, it, um, you know, the future looks bright for our racing. Mark Winterbottom's podium made him the most consistent driver of the event. This race was incredibly tough. And to, to say you could be on the podium, you know, two days in a row is a, um, a you know, great effort by the guys. They, they supplied me with a reliable car. I did my best to, uh, to not make it reliable. But two podiums, what, what can you ask for? You know, if you could win, it would be, would be better. But... Um, you know, the, the other two guys did a great job. With Team Vodafone having a shocking final race day of the year, Tanda crashing out, Davison managed to lock up the team's championship. The V8 Insiders caught up with the head of Walkinshaw Racing, Craig Wilson, to congratulate him on the success of the team and what the team's championship meant to the organisation. Yeah, thanks very much. It was a topsy-turvy day, day today. Uh, we, we, we had, at one point we had it. We didn't have it, we had it again, we didn't know for a little while and in the end we, we had it so we're, we're elated. So it caps off a rewarding year for us. Teams Championship genuinely allows everybody to celebrate. You know, Even when you win a Drivers' Championship you've got two groups of car guys and um, just the nature of the racing business, not everyone feels the same amount of equity. Many of the drivers at the Sydney Telstra 500 ended their V8 supercar careers. Most until they could secure another drive, but for Cameron McConville, it was the end of his time of full-time competition. We congratulated on his career at the top level of Australian motorsport. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, it's been a decade, uh, you know, in the uh, top category, I suppose. So I think a decade in any sport at the top level is a good inning. One of the drivers who is still looking for a drive in 2010 was Michael Patrizzi. And he certainly wasn't afraid to say why he was looking. It wasn't supposed to be my last race. When you have a two-year deal to race to the team and the team goes belly up, it's not really um, your doing. It's got nothing to do with you, so you just take it as it comes. And it was never meant to be my last race. It was supposed to be my last race before I lead up into a new car and a, a new opportunity next year. So, But look, there's some things in the pipeline and um, I'm, I'm not rushing into them because uh, I don't need to rush into them at this time. Look, I'll just sit back and wait and see in regards to next year. And, and if I'm on the grid at Abu Dhabi, I'm on the grid at Abu Dhabi. If not, well, 
I might have a year off. Jack Perkins will be making the move to Lucas Dumbrell's team. He wrapped up his stint with Kelly Racing on Sunday. Look, um, I can't thank Todd, Rick, John and Patrick and, and everyone involved for for giving me the opportunity I've had this year. It's been fantastic to be a teammate uh, to Todd and Rick uh, in, in the first year of Kelly Racing. And look, we, I was there three o'clock in the morning sticking the truck before the first round and sort of been through the whole whole phase thick and thin with the guys and um, you know I, again I can't be thankful enough to them and also to our sponsors Dodo Bet 24-7 and um, you know looking forward to uh, again turning the calendar over and seeing what presents for next year. Jamie Winkup spoke about having concentration lapses throughout the year we thought we'd ask Kevin Sheedy, the new coach of the Greater Western Sydney AFL Club, about how he was able to motivate footballers over his 27-year coaching career. Well, look, I've, I've done some very different things in my life. I've taken talented players into a maternity ward and let them have a look at a, a little baby struggling on a humidity crib and saying, you're so uh, talented and you're going to waste this opportunity if you don't find the dedication and the vision that you could see yourself in, the, in your person. And I've also taken another person who had been um, probably uh, just not looking at the right attitude or way to live. I walked him through a cemetery and I said, look, you know, it won't be long before here. So get your act together. The Fujitsu Series wrapped up this weekend with Jonathan Webb wrapping up the series on Saturday. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, it's a massive uh, weight lifted off our shoulders. You know, coming this weekend, it was always going to be tough. David Russell was uh, right on our tail coming in. It, uh, you don't wish upon any of your, uh, of your competitors to, to have the drums that he's had, but I must say it certainly uh, helped me come forward this weekend and you know, wrap the title up yesterday and then today just get out there and, ha- and have a whole lot of fun with it. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. We've got plenty more news coming up through the off-season, so I hope you'll stay with us. But next, Brett Crusher-Murray and Peter Norton join me. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bundaberg Racing and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. This week on the show, we have none other than the Gold Coast Bulletins, Brett Crusher-Murray. Good evening, Crusher. Not too bad at all, and it looks like Peter Norton, who's, uh, well, being knocked from pillar to post in getting from the Homebush event, is also able to join us. Yes, Craig, I, th- I think we need a new motto for, uh, uh, for the Inside Motorsport team is uh, we do whatever it takes to bring you the interviews and photos from V8 Supercars. Yes, and, uh, well, there's a story there that's too long to tell here. But, guys, the Sydney Telstra 500, what was your, uh, what was your verdict, Crusher? It uh, was certainly interesting to see all the goings-on on the track and definitely off. Um, mate, I would suggest that uh, that you know Australian motorsport doesn't have a, a new benchmark, but world motorsport does. I think that uh, as a as a first up event, it was just it was amazing. I think uh, Tony Cochran and Shane Howard and the crew have done an amazing job, and I think that um, they need to be applauded for it. And I think that uh, you know we've got something pretty special on our hands for years to come. 
Peter, your thoughts? Oh, I think it was absolute cracker of an event, and probably the emphasis is event. It's it's no longer just a motor race. There's a whole lot more, and it's perfectly planned because it opens it up to the the appeal much broader than just the rev heads. You know, it's a good family day out. Uh, the good thing about that precinct is that there were plenty of uh, quiet and shady places for the family to go and have a picnic and the kids could play in the fountains and all of those sorts of things that got people away from just sitting next to the uh, next to the wall watching the cars go by. Mm. One thing that it didn't work for a lot of the motorsport media crusher but I thought it was a, a very good strategic move for um, for the community and for really selling this event to the New South Wales government and that was the Dick Smith Cycling Challenge on the Saturday and uh, when you've got a, a race decided by less than a bicycle wheel it's a pretty close finish. Yeah, in fact, uh, I don't know if uh, someone stole my idea there, mate, but uh, I actually uh, wrote that because I wanted to do something similar on the Gold Coast for the Gold Coast event, so uh, I wrote that about six months ago and uh, I think that was um, you know, a pretty good event added to the spectacle. I think something similar on the streets of the Gold Coast would be pretty cool. I think, um, yeah, the, the whole emphasis on this stuff is the event aspect, as it has been on the Gold Coast for the 19 years, which is the reason for its success. And uh, I think that, um, you know, the, the New South Wales government has to be delighted with how it all came together. The concert on Saturday night with um, with Cole Chisel was just fantastic. Those guys really rocked the joint. And, um, you know, it, it was a really fun, relaxed atmosphere. You know, there wasn't... Yeah, there was no aggro. It was just people having a good time. It was. Uh, it wasn't. I have to say that I think that seventy-two thousand on Saturday is a gross underestimate, well, an, an underreporting of the number of people there. If you had fifty-one on Friday and and sixty odd thousand on Saturday, Crusher. Yeah, I would have thought that that figure was probably more than that. Um, the government actually had some stipulation there regarding, you know, being capped at 70 because they didn't think the site could hold it. Um, Coco said that he actually ignored that, which is the reason they put out the figure of 71.5 or whatever it was. But, um, I mean, that place could hold 120 without any risk. Mm. And certainly, Peter, they're going to have to open it up if they can get the uh, mixture of uh, talented events uh, onto the race or onto the precinct again next year. Oh, yes, the, probably one of the, the biggest challenges for future years is keeping up the, the attractiveness of the concert. Uh, Cold Chisel, what a, what a perfect choice for that concert. Uh, it may be interesting, after a couple of years, how else do you find such a uh, headline act like that without spending too much money? Um, because really the, the sky's the limit there, and it just wouldn't be fit to have just a, you know, a second-rate concert anymore. It has to be a blockbuster. Fair chance, Crusher, it's going to be pink next year, though. Yeah, I would think that pink's probably uh, would be a special. I think what you'll probably see is the... I think the Friday concert worked out well for them. So I think you'll probably see the Friday concert will disappear and there'll be more emphasis on the Saturday. Um, you know, Cold Chisel didn't come cheap and, um, you know, they, they put on a show, they certainly got their money's worth. So um, don't be surprised to see those guys uh, put together a tour. Um, pretty soon to a uh, to a place near you. But um, the other thing too is that the, the track itself, the racing itself, was I thought was cracking all weekend. On the back Sunday race was an absolute ripper. And um, wouldn't it be fantastic to see that place and that type of racing actually decide the championship next year for real? 
it is interesting because whilst the track had some Canberra touches to it, it still was able, Peter, to uh, really challenge the drivers. And I think in this case, it was the amount that the drivers had to concentrate and the distance that made this event uh, and the racing on the track so interesting because just when they normally be wrapping up, they still had on Saturday 150 kilometres to go and on Sunday they had that extra 50 and, and we were seeing a lot of people fail to be able to carry it through that final few uh, kilometres. You're spot on and I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. On, on Friday afternoon I was thinking, oh dear, this track is... Uh it lacks something. Um, you know, well, not that long ago we were at Bathurst, and it's definitely nothing compared to Bathurst in terms of a, a racing track. Um, but I was wrong because the the, the racing in the uh, cut and thrust of a, a real race, it, that track brought out the drama, and they were bouncing over curbs and all of the exciting things, uh, and it really did deliver. So I think even though on paper it looks to be a fairly simple track, um, being fast there for the length of the races that we've got, uh, it works a cracker. Mm. Now, Crusher, I imagine you went around the track uh, a few times with different people, um, Marcus Ambrose and, of course, the Irwin Tools driver, Alex Davison, and, uh, and, and a few others as well. But Peter and I went around on Friday evening on push bikes, and uh, the place that got labelled Death Alley, which uh, the uh, media were talking about on Friday, well... On a push bike, it looked tight. At 250 kilometres an hour, I can only imagine what the drivers were thinking as they went into it. Yeah, I think that, yeah, at the end of the day, it's the same for everybody, isn't it? You know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, as you know, Craig, I like, I like to have a bit of a pump, and uh, I actually went a ride on the Saturday. I got the Cornella with Tanner and Winterbottom, and then uh, so I rolled back out and, and back sort of six drivers uh, in the Sunday race um, with 25 minutes to go. I think I had. I had three in the top six, and ten minutes later, I had one in the top nine. <laughs> like that, that, they were just biffing and bashing and making mistakes, and you know, a couple of times with the winner bottoms deal, like you, you just miss the apex by a foot, and you're in strife. Like the concentration levels were um, had to be pretty serious, and um, you know, Courtney did a very, very good job on Sunday. And uh, I think the other thing that was surprising to many people too was also the, the undulation of the place. You know, the main straight, the you know, the actual rise and fall of the place. I think some of those images over the back where they sort of almost like whoop doos over the back, you know, it was all these different places. The only really spoiled it was, you know, Tim Schenken sticking those stupid tyre bundles um, on, on, some of those, on some of that curbing. Um, but apart from that, I think uh, they probably need to widen it up a bit. You know, there was only one stretch of, of trees that the, the Greens went all crazy about, which would never have existed there before the Olympics, so you don't know what they were blowing up about. Um, and I didn't see too many dead squash frogs anywhere, so obviously uh, they managed to stick all those away for the weekend. What a sense of humour, though, uh, Gary Rogers had. It was his idea to put the frogs on the uh, on the uh, headlights of his cars, and I reckon that made him go that bit faster because Lee Hullsworth, 10 kilometres an hour through the speed trap quicker than his teammate and about four kilometres an hour faster than the rest of the field. He had an awesome car and unfortunately got uh, caught in a jackpot on both days. Yeah, look, he was a standout for the weekend, I think, Lee. He, you know, he obviously had the quickest car out there. He, he, you know, he was pedalling that thing around very, very quickly. And, you know, you can tell the, the good guys from the deals when you go straight to a, you know, a, a first up track and guys are quick. Um, and I think that's testimony to Gary Rogers' team too, who you know, now roll into 
next year with probably the you know well not probably with the biggest budget he's ever had in in entire uh, history of Gary Rogers Motorsport. So it'd be interesting to see how he converts that extra funding into into speed and how competitive uh, Lee and Michael Caruso will be uh, next year and, and whether they'll sit in the championship mix because I think they certainly will be uh, will be a dark horse for sure. Peter, your final thoughts as we go to the break here on the Sydney Telstra 500. Um, I'm wondering if, if next year they'll have the uh, the, the sprint tyres, the super sticky tyres. Can you imagine the uh, extra passing and carry on uh, with those suckers on there? That could be really worth watching. It will be an interesting one. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Back with plenty more on the other side. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Will Davison from the Toll Holden Racing Team and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport and at the Gold Coast Bulletins. Brett Crusher-Murray is also with us. Now, Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. The Championship Edition will be in stores now, but you can catch up with all the Bathurst news and a lot more in all good news agents and probably the bad ones. Gas and Go, first up to, uh, well, Peter Norton. What was the biggest media beat-up of the year? Oh, there's been plenty, uh, and some of the things that sort of sprang to mind were things like, uh, well, a, a magazine has a driver survey, and all you need to do is get three or four votes out of uh, 29 drivers, and all of a sudden you are the, the best or the worst or the, anything like that. Uh, not exactly a uh, statistically sound sample, but uh, great fun anyway. Uh, other notable mentions, uh, trading in your triple eight hat, uh, not exactly a, a media beat-up, but uh, a good beat-up. I, I enjoyed that one. Um, but the, the ones that really are... It's a dead heat for first in my eyes, and they're the, the best media release beat-ups. And both of them essentially said exactly the same thing. They both said, we're all set to go, everything's in place, this is going to run as per schedule, and, of course, the A1GP and Bahrain, everyone knew it wasn't going to happen. But um, the press releases uh, so soon to the scheduled date said, don't worry, it's going to. Crusher, best media beat-up of the year. You'll, you'll notice that my name wasn't on any of those releases. <laughs> <in the> end, <laughs> uh, but I refuse to, uh, to put my name on the, end of, uh, on the releases at the end. Um, biggest beat-up of the year, no doubt, uh, Jamie Wincup. Uh, will he or won't he be here? Will he go to NASCAR? You know, uh, it's just a lot of rubbish. Um, you know, Wincup had signed his deal two months before all that stuff had come out. And, you know, I, I knew that he had the contract signed. So, you know, uh, Wincup's uh, team milked that for everything they had. And uh, I think that's a standout for me. Um, yeah, pretending that, you know, hmm. some people are pretending A1 car is going to be here a week out from the event was uh, quite an interesting uh, situation to be a part of and certainly will probably uh, save me a bit of time when I'm writing that chapter of my book. 
Mm. Biggest on-track screw-up of the year, Crusher? Oh, without doubt, the safety cars and the safety car issue uh, at Phillip Island and the safety car issue uh, in Perth were uh, total debacles. What about the safety car issue at the Gold Coast, which everyone forgot about very quickly after Phillip Island 2? Yeah, I think that was just a restart, wasn't it? Well, no one knew what the hell was going on, but uh, they were being told what was going on. But I think, you know, to have a safety car sitting on the track, if you've got 29 cars burning down on you at, uh, you know, 280 plus, is quite an interesting position to be in. And uh, I think, yeah, the driver of the safety car in that instance came under a bit of pressure for, uh, for or, uh, probably unduly, I would think. Mm, Peter? Uh, the safety car was definitely on my list, um, but you... Crush is right. The, the Gold Coast is slightly different, but it's still part of my list because it's the same broad topic, and that is how the sport handles on-track incidents that require you know, full-course yellow. There's got to be a better way uh, in deploying the safety car, and we've got a bit of a silly situation at the moment where people are essentially racing back to the safety car, and I fear that's going to end in tears sometime soon. Uh, I think it needs a, a good look at. Uh, but my... Um, the, the biggest screw-up is actually off-track, and to me it was the handling of the Triple Eight splitter mount affair. Um, it should have been a simple thing, but the political fallout um, went on for months and claimed quite a few scalps. Uh, I think that was a pretty big screw-up. Mm. All right, uh, Peter, the best event of the year. I left out the one that was officially awarded so you could do this un- unopposed. Um, I think Sydney and Townsville are, are notable uh, because... They're setting a brand new culture to a motorsport event. Um, you know, put it into a, a parkland kind of uh, environment and have it to be the, the mixed event. Uh, they both achieved so much being first up. Uh, they both had some minor teething problems, uh, but they've both got the commitment to fix it up straight away. I think the tiebreaker, though, uh, really has to be Sydney because of those concerts really did uh, make it stand out from anything we've ever seen before. Crusher, best event of the year? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd have to agree with both uh, Townsville and Sydney um, again because I know how much work goes into these things um, on a daily basis uh, during the whole course of a year. And in fact, with Sydney and Townsville for five years trying to jump through the political hoops and get all the stuff done, and I think you know Cochrane needs to be given a medal for that stuff. His, his determination to get Sydney up, and I, you know, you see him on Sunday night or Monday night at Galadini. You know, he's, he's just tired. His team's tired. They've just worked so hard to try and put all that stuff together, and people just don't understand the other 20 hours a day it takes for months on end to, to make all that stuff happen. Um, you know, I think uh, it's nice to see um, those guys get reward. Obviously, Townsville won the event of the year. I think uh, you know where will, where will it be next year. I think there's lots of questions that have to be asked, and you know the Gold Coast uh, needs a total rebirth, and and uh, we'll see uh, what happens with that over the next uh, few weeks. All right, craziest driver antic of the year, Crusher. I, you know, I think that um, the one thing I will say generally about this is is that you don't necessarily have the deals that you had in the sport a few years ago. You've sort of weeded out a lot of the um, you, know, you know the monkeys in the sport, and you know the guys who will bring in a big chick check. So sort of Formula One through, went through that program too, where it just got so expensive for these guys to keep tearing stuff up that it actually weeded out the bikes, even if they did have a heap of dough. So. Um, I think that the game's uh, certainly um, cleaned himself up a bit, and we've seen plenty of uh, fools over the years. Um, I can't, uh, you put me on the spot, mate, because I can't really think of one that stands out. All right, Peter, what about you? Uh, I quite enjoyed some of the, uh, 
the, the tongue-in-cheek antics of some of them. Uh, and most of them happened with the Gary Rogers motorsport team uh, with the driver intros. And it's not just the one where Lee Holdsworth copped the fine. Um, you know, for all of them, they were putting on a bit of a show. Uh, and you know, quite notable uh, is that for the Bathurst intros, they had some of the drivers you know, with a big shifting spanner uh, working under the bonnet, which uh, very quickly became uh, used to adjust other kind of nuts. Uh, so I think they were most enjoyable. Uh, so, yeah, the, it doesn't go to one particular driver. It goes to the team. All right. Biggest, biggest brain explosion of the year by a driver or a team owner, Peter? Oh, I've got a bit of a dead heat, and they're both for, uh, on the team uh, owner-manager side of things. Uh, I think Roland Dane uh, didn't handle the uh, break with Ford particularly well. Uh, having a public debate about the reasons for the fallout uh, could have been avoided. I think it made all parties look a bit silly. So maybe it's Roland and the Ford executives that uh, get the raspberry on that one. Uh, but equally up there, um, which is more of just funny, uh, and that was Craig Wilson saying that uh, Lowndes was over the hill, uh, which was immediately followed by Lowndes getting a pole position and a win. Okay, Crusher, your biggest brain explosion? I definitely agree with both of those, although I would think that the, uh, the brain explosion from the Ford executives um, in relation to that break from Ford was uh, quite an amazing situation and how that stuff got leaked out is uh, just beyond me. And I think Roland was in to be able to defend what he did and how he was about it. Um, if the funny thing about that whole deal and about them wanting to run, you know, wanting them to run blue cars... I actually was sitting, I was sitting in my office, I had the TV on in my office, and I was reading that, that internal email, and I looked up, and there was Craig Lowndes doing a, an ad for FPV vehicles. The garage door rolls up, and there's a red, bright red FPV vehicle in their TV ad, which just, you know, to me, it gave me a bit of a chuckle. Well, that's Gas and Go for another week here on the V8 Insiders. It's a pleasure to have you back on, Crusher, and look forward to uh, seeing you in 2010 at the track. And for everyone up there at the Gold Coast and online, I guess, they can have uh, catch up with all your riding each and every week there. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, it's been great to be on a few times, and uh, look forward to having a chat next year. And to Peter, we look forward to having you back on in, well, it'll be a couple of weeks' time, I'm sure, because we don't stop for Christmas just because everyone else does. That's right. We do whatever it takes, remember? Yes, that's right. Uh, the White Flag Lap is up next. That interview with Jamie Wincup, which certainly had uh, tongues wagging, is next. I hope you'll stay with us. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. G'day, it's Greg Murphy from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lap, we catch up with the V8 Supercar champion, Jamie Wincup. There was a period in the first three or four rounds where the media centre, the photographers were saying, look at the arrogance on Jamie Wincup. And it looked like you were winning so easy. I'm just so amazed to hear that you've been struggling this um, focus or, uh, or mental toughness. 
yeah, yeah that's that's what sport's all about to try to perform at your best all the time um no I, I didn't for what you mentioned there I, I wasn't aware of any of that I just I just go and do my job to the best of my ability and if that comes across arrogant well that's 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 not right you know but um no hey I'm a huge team performance you know we all uh, we all battle it out and we've, we're all motivated to keep the number one on the door and that's exactly what we've done. As I followed the year season through as I said there was this talk and obviously it wasn't coming back to you which is probably a good thing that there was this arrogance and wing cups becoming arrogant he's winning too easy and then when that seemed to drop that's when you're talking about your form slump and and now I'm hearing from your discussions that you're talking about you found it hard to come into the season I'm just you know I, I, there was such seemed like a, such a disparity you looked like you were top of your game you looked like mentally physically everything was right the team was right behind you too yeah yeah oh no we we, um, of course, we're going to show and not not show any weaknesses or anything like that. We're going to go out there and put in our best performance, without doubt. Um, you know, sometimes that you just you just keep getting nailed down. You know, nailed down, nailed down, and everyone wants wants a piece. And sometimes you just got to focus on driving the car. And it's, the the more winning you do, the the harder that becomes, just to focus on driving the car. And that's what I want to do. So. Um, that arrogance comes from me just trying to concentrate on doing my job the best of my ability, and, and anyone in my position wouldn't do any different. You know, if if I wasn't to do that, well then, I'd uh, you guys wouldn't even want to talk to me because I'd I'll be running mid pack or maybe you know towards the back. So that's that's just the way it goes. I I hate being called that, but um, you just got to do what you got to do. You missed that race of champions. Was that the right decision in the end? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was the right decision. Even if I didn't go so well at Phillip Island, or regardless of the results, that was the right decision at the time, without doubt. You've won two championships and you, you, you're saying, I've got to look for the focus again. Is is someone like um, another Vodafone partner, as it were, at the Brisbane Lions, someone like a Michael Voss who won three AFL premierships, is that the sort of people you need to sort out to, to talk about this mental toughness? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone that's... Um, that, that's performed at their best for three or four years is um has a special ability without doubt so any anyone in any sport um i'd love to be able to crack their brains and work out what makes them tick for sure sheedy's here this weekend actually yeah hey, he knows all about it for sure you know just performing right up top-notch stuff for for long periods of time it's it's a lot different than just going out there and building everything up and going and doing a good job but backing it up year after year is is a big deal. I've got a lot of respect for people that can do that. So now you look at tomorrow's race and then a 10-week break. How are you going to address that as the champion? I'm going to take some time off. I'm, uh, I'm raced out, I must admit. Where you, you get this motivation of going back-to-back championships. That's, that keeps you going. Once that's done, it's... Uh, I can see the finish line. You know, I just... I really need to... Um, really need to have a break now. I'm I'm spent and I just break. I just want to get it. I wish I could just get all the all the team together and we can all get in a big bus and disappear into the middle of Australia somewhere and just uh, reflect on what we've done. That that'll be the ultimate for me. We hope you get to enjoy tomorrow, being on the track as the champion elect and and really get to uh, show what Jamie Wincap can do in a team Vodafone FG before the big move next year.
Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to go out on a high. I'm going to go go hard tomorrow and see what happens. So, um, hey, I love the track. You know, I'll just I'll be be relaxed tomorrow. So we'll, we'll find out how that goes. My thanks to Jamie Winkup, Brett Crusher Murray, and of course Peter Norton. As the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, don't forget we'll be back next week with plenty more. I hope you can join us then. Till then, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.